0: Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, we of course will be talking about thinking, doing, playing board games. And our topic today, Ryan, is what?
1: Um, How about those lesser known titles? The ones that we think that are underrated.
0: Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by... Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada. And they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, Puzzles and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to go into the segment of Think and doing, playing board games. I'll uh, I'll come right out of the gates and I'll start. Um, I had talked about this game previously, uh, just picking it up and looking through it. And that's Kitchen Rush. Uh, and Kitchen Rush is... Um, uh, bringing up my notes here Uh, kitchen rush is one of those um i would say simulation type games um it uses the 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 hourglass as your kind of worker placement stuff and the hourglass uh you drop it into a specific area in the kitchen to prepare meals um i think that this game if it wasn't for the hourglass it would just be a generic worker placement where it it's run of the mill you've seen it a hundred times but um the premise of this is you're running a restaurant you've got uh, maitre d bringing tables in you get your table uh, menu cards and then in the back part of the kitchen that's where your worker placement is where you assemble these these meals you cook these meals you go shopping to get you know more uh, produce coming in and uh, you expedite the meals for points and then the service takes Uh, Four minutes and there's four rounds. So there's four 16 minutes of live action playing now Like I said, if this was even if this was just one of those uh, um, timed uh, um, worker placement games uh, It would be still generic, but you put these hourglasses in that represent how occupied this worker is until you can put it to somewhere else that changes the whole spectrum of play on this game because the anxiety that this game develops is is like you could taste it i mean there's just so much stress and you're checking your you're checking your service time it's like i got a minute 20 seconds can i and you're looking at the tables can i pull this off because if you can't pull it off and get all those orders out by the end of that service round then you lose I think it's called like uh, uh, um fame points you know how prestigious your or maybe even prestige points but there is this kind of scale that you can elevate your kind of michelin stars and uh the moment you start sucking the moment that thing starts dropping and that could be one of your end of game scoring conditions right so um i'm having so much fun with this game and i'm be, i've just been playing solo and i started um at the uh, easy card like the you know the easy mode and then of course there's all these cards to present your end of game scoring challenges and uh i i've just gone into normal and i've i've had to like step away walk away and just go okay i i i, ca- I have to have a coffee in between the next service and <laughs> the because it's just like i'm frazzled i'm frazzled i know what i know now why a lot of a lot of cooks smoke <laughs> So I would uh, once I once I have a go at this, I'm definitely going to pass this on to you guys if you're interested because this is so much fun. That's Kitchen Rush. So um, what do you
2: think it would be like with more people? Like, is it? Sorry, is it? I don't actually even know. It's a is cooperative. It a co-op? Absolutely, okay.
0: yeah. It's a cooperative. As um, you know what? I can I can just the stuff that I've watched on YouTube on the how to play stuff, and then of course Ryan can back me up on this. If if there's four Le Pages sitting playing this game then this is going to be a loud kitchen with a bunch of guys getting into it with the yes chef yes chef moving here chef right <laughs> i mean i am sure we would turn it on all the way and uh yeah we would you I mean I, french accents would start coming out so i could see this being what you bring to it yeah because it's it, it could be just an efficiency engine and everyone's head down and it's like you know you know are cooking and everyone's making sure stuff or you're like i said <laughs> you're a food truck with four big guys in the back <laughs> so
2: <laughs> real, real
1: real time games have always really intrigued me I, I i haven't played that many of them like um ian's got the the the, the dice game with the temple can't escape. escape escape yeah, that, was, that was a really cool one and then escape uh, i have a uh, galaxy trucker and uh pendulum no mm-hmm. oh, i haven't played pendulum yet but and then there's Beal the time. classic of
2: classics dutch, oh, of dutch blitz of <laughs> course <laughs> the
0: most violent card i like, yeah pretty much I, I think i've had like like injuries <laughs> according to that game but yeah um the other version of this game the other retheming of this game is uh i think hospital rush or something like that where like i said before you're playing i think an er and that makes sense, too, department-wise, we're, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, frenetic. That's a good word for this game. It's frenetic energy, and I'm glad there's a kind of break period in between services because you got to collect <laughs> your thoughts. <laughs>
2: yeah. Cool. Well, on to um, uh, Ian. Okay. So... We title this segment, Thinking, Doing, Playing, and I have not really been doing or playing, so watch out. Let's get this done. So I've been thinking. <laughs> <clears throat> and so, and I thought this would actually be a good topic based on our overall topic for today, so I was kind of thinking and chatting with people the other day, and I kind of was looking online, and I there's all these, people are talking about all these games that I've never even heard of before, and... <laughs> And most of them are like these random Kickstarters, and oh, I just I all everybody's talking about games, and it's never the same game, and it's always just something that I have heard a couple of times in passing, and I thought we seem to be like losing the commonality in our hobby a little bit um, with the games that we're playing and. Like, there doesn't seem to be that connecting fabric anymore. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Where there's those certain games where everybody knows about, and we can all have conversations about them. And most people in the hobby have played it. And I I feel like that is going away to some extent.
0: Like, to use movies as a metaphor, it's like, what's the the new Marvel out there? Let's talk about the new Marvel movie out
2: there. Right. And movies, actually, that you bring up movies, that's an interesting point, because I don't feel like... I, I do feel like movies impact on the cultural, um, geist, uh, the, what, what's the word? Zeitgeist yeah, has yeah, kind of yeah, been, yeah, has been disappearing a little, but I do feel like there's a commonality. Like there's a certain amount of movies that, that people see, especially like people in the movie fan community. There's a, mm-hmm. we always have films to talk about common. There's a common threads there. Yeah. Um, but I think that we're losing that in the games in the gaming community. Oh, I don't know. Do you guys sense that or I can
1: I can see where you're coming from here because way um I'm just kind of drawing from conversations that appear on the uh the, the Facebook group. Um whenever I throw out the uh what you've been playing uh Wednesdays thread. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's always there there there's a ton of like you like you're right. There's a games that people are mentioning and they're all over the map. And some people are like, Ooh, that, sound, that one sounds interesting. Um, I want to know more about that. And, and in my mind, I was like, well, That's actually a, to me, I thought that was a pretty common, popular game. But that's not necessarily always the case here. Like, what's the new hotness is not necessarily the hotness in everybody's right. minds and everything. Yeah. Like, we know from back, Catan. Like, you, you can bring up modern board gaming. Usually people will throw out Catan as one of the modern ones that everybody has played, and you know what we're talking about. Yeah. It's right. everything. But then, you, yeah, once you get into, like, these 2010s. Uh, but even and then, days. I would
2: say that the first part, there was still quite a lot of games that most people would know, right? Mm-hmm. Like Terraforming Mars was a big deal, and a lot of people knew that and sought it out and talked about it. Scythe was the same thing. No. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I'm just gonna and, pop
0: out another idea after this.
2: And I just feel like that's that's going away. I think maybe Gloomhaven was the last one, and I feel bad because I don't. I haven't even played Gloomhaven, but it's one that most people know about. But I, and I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing because there's also the side of it of, well, the hobby is just finding so, more niches. Yeah. Right.
1: It, it, it's it's become so diverse of. Yeah. now you you can find a game to pretty much meet anybody's needs nowadays right cool you you, you could you could create a list of this 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 and this and i could probably think about i could probably come up with a list of like five games
0: yeah to co- hey to circle back to what you were ian was saying about uh about things pinging on people's radars now are you would you would you both uh, think that we're talking here about the commonality of evergreen titles like there's there's i think so yeah like yeah because that to me that's right when you said that i'm like wait you're talking about this concept of evergreen titles where it's it's pinging on people's radar because it pings on the radars of a lot of different communities Mm -hmm. therefore becoming one of these you know regular consumption type of media right i mean be it you know and the star you know the star wars super horror, uh, hero genre um uh there's even directors like that are starting to ping on people's radars becoming kind of like uh go-tos like uh peel that that does a lot of these these uh, uh um back to the horror genre type of stuff right um mm. so yeah In and now so pose the question oh. are are we losing evergreen
1: titles i i wouldn't say we're losing evergreen titles but at at a lot of games aren't marketed towards like mass market um, distribution. Like we thinking about um, one thing that's coming up to mind um, is the game that Disney's villainous Mm -hmm. game. It's got mass market appeal. It's everywhere. It's in Walmarts. It's in Toys R Us's It's at the local game stores and like that. And it's one that a lot of people are, you know, it's, Quite that one's quite a niche type of game. It's a family, family type of game, but there's a lot of games that aren't marketed in that in that regards. Yeah, too. But I'm not. I mean, I'm
2: not really talking about the mass market though either. I'm just talking about just within the hobby, like the the main hobby groups. I'm even then. I don't know that we have that many like common the, games that we talk about.
0: Off the top of my head, I would like just kind of pinging on radars. I would say that. Things like Wingspan are still pinging. Everdale is still pinging. Uh, you know, Gloomhaven, the new, the new, um, what's the, uh, what's the new target launch? Like the other smaller version called again.
1: Uh, the Jaws of the Lion.
0: Jaws of the Lion. That's starting to ping. <laughs> it's not pinging on my radar. I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, there's certain titles that continue to ping. But they, like, yeah, the decay. Because I bet you any money that uh, Great Western Trail is, is on the back burners of a lot of people's shelves, right? And that was well, paying
1: That's that's a funny one, because that's the one that's always mentioned in the uh, What You've Been Playing Wednesdays. <laughs> 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 the, that might have but been it popped
0: I, in my head, yeah.
1: yeah but that's that's the, I think that it's, that, it's that particular group that it seems to always play it. They always, they're always playing Terraforming Mars. They're always playing Great Western Trail.
0: Yeah, I know I, the guys, yeah. Yeah.
2: They like their and the f- engines. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I kinda actually see it almost in a parallel with television right now. Because I feel television is really like that at this point. Like there's not a lot of common shows that everybody watches anymore. It's more there's so much stuff out there. And board games is the same thing. There's so much out there that people are just kind of finding what they Pick find. And choose. Yeah. But like when we talk about like the water cooler shows those are basically gone. I think Game of Thrones was the last one, right? That was the last show that everybody watched. And I feel like games is turning out that way too. And maybe that's just the way it's going to be. Like if you think about books, right? Like you, yeah. you were just saying your your wife is a big reader. Well, books doesn't, like, that, that doesn't happen. Like literature doesn't have big books that everybody talks about it is absolutely diversified right yeah. you you read these and these kind of books those are your books and you read them and you don't really care about what else is in other genres of books necessarily yeah and there's hundreds coming out every year yeah. and there's no way you're going to keep up maybe as <laughs> is games going to that like is that just what board games are going to be
0: i think you've just deterred a lot of future writers out there <laughs> <laughs> give up writing man there's just way too much out there <laughs>
1: um but, I, well I, is, is that you know just circling I, around is that just circling around to the um conversations it, that we were having even just years ago where they were talking about the board gaming bubble yeah i don't I know. know yeah, is, yeah when it, it's, it's gonna it going burn to, well like the
0: pendulum swings too right i mean yeah. at some point there's gonna be a shift right and and people and again it's always now here's the thing about that i've noticed about board gaming that's different than any of the media it's not really motivated by money no one's looking to be a multi-millionaire and have like a you know a number one billboard chart board game right i mean you can you can flash in the pan in the music industry and cash out fast so the people who are working as creative people in this industry i think are doing it because that's what they do
2: yeah yeah so yeah Yeah. that was a cool i was just Yeah, that's, well, that's something sense. to
1: keep your eye, our, our eyes on. That's a, something to come back to. I like that. That that was definitely like that could have been a, a future topics of interest segment. <laughs> I suppose so. That, it's got some <laughs> legs.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we
0: need to think more about it.
1: Ryan, what's coming up with you? Okay, so um, straight out of <laughs> should get a get a nice uh, t shirt that says straight out of quarantine. Oh no. I'm starting to laugh Just because
0: of what, you, what I know that you said your your wife referred to this as oh. so um
1: the first the first game that oh, we decided the first game that we decided that we were gonna pick up and start into is uh My City by Reiner oh, yeah. Kinizia and and Cosmos. It was one of the uh one of the Spiel de Jahres nominees. And if people don't know what My City is, my wife has referred to it as <laughs> Silver and Gold, the legacy game. Now, that might not, that might not even be, uh, mean anything if you don't even know what the game Silver and Gold is. But uh, essentially what uh, My City is, it's a Tetris polyomino tile laying game where each player has the exact same set of tiles in front of them. I think there's 18 tiles in, fr- in, in, in the game. And then there's a deck of cards that has... It's 18 cards in it, and essentially what you do is you flip over a card, and whatever that pipe piece says, you have to put that piece on the on your player board. Now your player board is this big map of uh, an area of land, and it's got trees and it's got rocks and it's got a river and stuff like that. And what you're trying to do is you're just trying to fill in this area with your city pieces. And essentially what you're going to do is very simplistic. After you flip over a card, put a piece down. Flip over a card, put a piece down. You're going to do this until you can't put any more pieces down onto your board it's going to get filled up so fast and eventually what you're going to have you're just going to drop out of the round saying i can't place any more pieces and at that time you're going to calculate what your score is you get one point per tree still um, um on the board still visible on the board you lose one point per rock rocky terrain that's still visible on the board um, you lose a point for every green space that's still visible on the board, much like patchwork. And then it's legacy. So every game that you play is there's a new rule or rules that are introduced into the game. And they aren't groundbreaking at all. There's just ever so little (laughs) things and you get progress check marks if you're the winner of the game. And if you're the loser of the game, you get some sort of sticker to put on your board to kind of make it. Almost like a catch-up mechanism. If you um, kind of like a rise of Queensdale, there, uh, Ian. When you're the person who mm-hmm. doesn't win, you kind of get some sort of bonus perk. Same things happening here. It's kind of gives you a little bit of a catch-up thing. Um, there's 24 games to play through. And now that's a, that, lot. That's a lot. But <laughs> for us, a game takes like. 10 to 15 minutes to play. Oh. <laughs> so we're, what we're doing, what we've been averaging is we've been playing a chapter, which is uh, three games. They all have these envelopes. There's eight chapters in the game, and there are three mini games inside of each chapter. So what we've been doing is we've been playing one chapter an evening, and it's been pretty fun. Uh, like, like I said, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's very, very light legacy type of game. Um, very like this would be a one that you would play you would wanna play with like say a family who's never played a legacy game before. Introduces that concept of things are progressing, you're gonna write and put stickers on the board and they're in the permanency. Yeah. Yeah. and, And and the great thing about it is too, it also comes with a mode. Every board is double sided. So I could just play this game on the other side of the board, the non legacy version, and still get everything out of the same game. Cool. They say don't play that version until you've played, I think, what is it, the first 12 games or something like that? Because after the first 12 games, it introduces all of the elements that are on that other side of the board. How many players can it play up to?
2: Uh, four. And would you say that two like, works, or would you say that you're maybe missing something?
1: No, two works, absolutely okay. fine. And actually what I've read is that there's enough components left over that the other ah. two boards that you haven't used, you can play two-player again. Cool, oh, okay. So I think that's what Jen and I are gonna maybe, maybe do. If we, play, if we burn through all these ones, we might try it again. Now knowing how yeah, um, to place yeah. the stickers on our board the second time around, to kind of <laughs> maybe try to optimize.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: But yeah, so my city, I can definitely see why it didn't win the spiel it there, there there's nothing brand new other than hey we took this tiling concept this flip and write concept and made it a legacy game
0: ah
1: okay That's essentially all that happened but it's still fun i would highly recommend this would be a great christmas gift cool cool you know, i've seen some people doing the um the the, the 24 days of christmas where they're just going to play one episode <laughs> one one game a night for leading up to christmas you you can't do that because once you have played <laughs> one game, you have to play another one. Yeah, <laughs> they're short.
2: Uh, the games are not very long at all. Speaking of Christmas, sorry, this is a sidebar. I just saw a tweet today that uh, BGA is planning to add a new game every day of December.
1: Ooh!
0: <gasps> all right, or we'll have to do. I didn't some, look. Uh,
2: yeah, I didn't look too much into it, but that's that's what I read. So we'll have to do some uh, official.
1: We'll have to do some uh, research recon. Right. That might, that might, have to be my thinking, playing, doing for the next episode.
0: This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis Eighth Mall, on 8th Street, in Saskatoon. And we are back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. And our topic of interest on this episode is games from our collection, obviously, um, with the context of that, but... Games that we think are underrated or underappreciated or undervalued or just under everybody's noses. Um, uh, I, I'll I'll start this off. I'm not saying that everybody has to follow suit, but just uh, um, you know, being a school teacher, there's always context. So uh, I'm gonna read uh, the details of the game and then uh, c- kind of give you a quick overview that they provide, so that you have a context. So when I start telling you why. It is so necessary that people pay attention to these titles. We have a uh, we have a, a, a platform on which to have a dialogue. So, um, what do you think we go uh, we go one game each around the horn, gentlemen?
1: Yeah, just like last time.
0: All right. Um, now, I as far as like the criteria when this was thrown out there, there wasn't really any criteria. It was just pick five games from your collection that you think, hey, you know what? People need to pay attention to these games because, as speaking of of what Ian talked about with this whole. Uh, just white noise of 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 content out there it's it's hard to like have things come to the forefront and and have the attention necessary to them so um i'm going to start off uh with uh with a game here i'm just going to bring it up um this is by one of my favorite designers xavier george um and uh it is called uh In in English, Royal Palace, but it's also um, printed on the box, Palais Royal, but Royal Palace, right, during uh, the French Renaissance time. So um, uh, it's primarily a game of majority. Each player has servants. He will, uh, will place appropriately on the nine parts of the palace on their turn. A player will perform actions based on the number of servants available on each location. Uh, that they have, for example, three servants on the mint gets them three pieces of gold. As a bonus, the player with the majority of servants on a location receives generally a bonus action. Now, it's it's basically this idea of you're in Louis XIV's court. Your your influencers are in this court. Um, it's a uh, putting meeples on a nine by nine action surface area that is variable in in regards to his placement and but what that does it's connected to the garden tiles and now the garden tiles are these uh rule breaker tiles in regards to your actions there are end of game scoring conditions they are uh bonuses Um, And they are set collecting aspects too. And of course, like every good uh, uh, euro that has uh, a lot of meeples on the board, there's an idea of uh, area control in regards to uh, the nobles from the garden that you you retain in your commission. Um, How many on edges, right? I'm I'm not too sure what the edges represent, but those are the area of majorities in that garden area. So this is, uh, yeah. A delicious euro that requires a lot more attention from people if they like uh, uh, euro driven meeple placement action uh, points area majority area influence kind of thing um, and fun with tiles i hope i i I hope i convinced you guys yeah absolutely Hmm. so brian
1: (laughs) okay um, I'm going to choose, like, I, I know I talked with Norm this afternoon, and he tried to pick some games that haven't been talked about on the show before, but I'm going to do a deep cut. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way back to episode one. Oh, I know what
2: you're talking about. Charger?
1: It, what? Charger? <laughs> 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 Arr,
2: these, I <are> think. <laughs> no, no. I'm, it's I'm a, editing. It, <laughs> you're, you're editing that one out. No, no it's um, it's a, it's
1: a Tony Boydell <laughs> game, which we know that Tony Boydell is really famous for his work on Snowdonia. Yeah, he had a game um, come out in 2016 called Guilds of London, and Guilds of London is a fantastic um, worker. It, it's a it's a worker placement ish type of game. <laughs> it is. Is it? It is ish. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's not in this traditional sense where you. Place a worker. You take an action. Where it's it's more like you're going to be placing down workers, in the hopes to get some benefits. Is it like the, an
0: auction? Do you think?
1: Because mm, I mean it's ish, it's, right? It's just that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an. It's auction. It's a Venn
0: diagram.
1: <laughs> or maybe more like Maybe more of a area influence. Yeah. Type of, type of game where you, as long as you had the most um, meeples in a space, then you're going to get some. Um, bonuses. Um, you're going to get to take a, an action power. Um, things are laid out in this ever. If you play more than two players, it's a growing grid of action locations where you're trying to gain influence in these various guilds in London, mm-hmm. which, which is why th- it's it's named away. I can see why this one would maybe underrated, as in <laughs> the iconography on this game. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> Um, mind melting. It's more. It's 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 kind of like Race for the Galaxy on acid, type of thing. There's there's icons describing everything, and the little play ray they give you, <laughs> kind of just gives you the general overview of what an action does, but it doesn't give you every single icon because it's like, oh, this category of icons mean these things.
0: Yeah, I was like trying to learn Mayan glyphs. <laughs> so,
1: but hey, but but if once once you understand like much like race for the galaxy. Once you get the icon, what they mean, the game is ever so very clever with multi-use cards where cards are your, um, your currency, but they're also the way you take some actions and they have powers on them or it's very, like I say, it's very underrated. Uh, It's one that came out with like 2016. There's lots of different games that came out in 2016. This one is ranked, 1,447 on BGG.
0: Yeah, it's throughout the same area as my first one. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's
1: a, so it's, it's pretty down. It's pretty down the list. But I enjoy it. Like, like I still play this game probably a good few times a year. Just for uh, I just I just enjoy the, the puzzliness. The two player game is fantastic. Well, I was just going to say when you taught it to me, it was engaging right out of the gates, all the decisions. Because in a two-player game, the board is already populated. Uh, It's not. It's not growing any. It's just all. Everything is all open information right from the get-go, which is I kind of like that rather than the randomness of, hey, at the end of this round, five more tiles are going to come out. (laughs) I probably
2: like the randomness.
1: (laughs) But see, this this game has a little bit of everything. I don't know. It's cool. It's it's very good, and it's got that uh, Clemens Franz. Traditional Euro yep. art, artwork on it. And it, it, it looks like it should be a game that's familiar to people. It's just because it's got that general feeling and vibe as you look at it. it just looks like it should be familiar.
0: Well, because I think
1: like Manziel,
0: for, for if if it wasn't done by Manziel, it was done by Franz. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the Euros of that era go. Yeah, no, I quite enjoyed uh, uh, the play that I had. And I, I'm. Yeah, I, I would play that again. Absolutely, Ian. And if what do you're you in the Saskatoon,
1: about? if you're in the Saskatoon area, there are copies of this available at our local game stores.
0: What is this There's out of print probably. or something? Or?
1: I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if it's out of print or if it's just, it's just sitting on some shelves. Yeah, no, this is definitely aren't talking be a, about it.
0: Yeah, this would definitely be a pick it up.
2: Cool, especially mm. if they like your euros, Ian. Okay, so I'm, I'm. I'm going to call out some audibles here. because Well, one of the ones I was going to suggest is the Lowlands, but I've talked about that before on the show, so I think I'm going to let people look for that there, but I do think that it's under. You're going to give it a uh-huh. graceful hat tip. That's right. Okay. Uh, and so I thought, well, let's come up with something a little different. So I picked an abstract game mm-hmm. that's from the 90s but was reprinted by Stronghold well, quite a few years ago now, and it's called Confusion. And it has a subtitle, but I don't believe in subtitles, (laughs) so I'm not going to read it. But it's called Confusion. (laughs) And this is a... It's like a spy-themed abstract game. And it's very chess-like. But the the trick here is that you have no idea how your pieces move. And so it's got these cool little, like, tiles-within-tiles thing where you mix up, There's a the smaller tiles show what directions they can move, and you mix them up and you fit them in the bigger tiles. But you can only see the bigger tiles, and the way that they move is being shown to your opponent. And so what you do is you try to move, and then your opponent tells you whether that's a legal move to make or not. And they have these dry erase um, deduction boards, and so based on what your opponent tells you, you can kind of narrow down which pieces it might be and you're gradually trying to figure out your own pieces on the board oh, and how they move. That would crush my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well you can record everything right like yeah. it's a you, you write it all down in your little notebook and then it's basically um, capture the flag like you're all trying to get this briefcase and then capture it with your piece and then move it back or move it across to the other person's side of the board. That's the goal of the game. But it's tough because you have no idea what your pieces can and can't do. And so, oh, so you're man. trying to figure that out at the same time.
1: I'm checking okay. it out on the, oh, on the site. Okay, you have to give me yeah. the subtitle because I can't find it. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's, called,
2: it's, it's, it's called Confusion, Espionage, yeah. and Deception in the Cold War. 1992, oh, yeah. yeah. Designed by Robert Abbott. There you go.
0: Good thing it's not Roger Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah no what does this remind me of this reminds me of is it like strategic like, reverse strategio or st- something strategio? like because yeah. because
1: yeah it's exactly what it looks
2: like yeah
0: yeah i like the sleeve the idea of the 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 movement sleeved on your on your piece in regards mm-hmm. to yeah and okay yeah, so as far as well. notes go i'm telling you man during a game like this, and the anxiety and stress, my notes would look like a Salvador dolly painting. <laughs>
2: they would just not make any. <laughs> well, they make it really easy. Like you get a board where it has all the possible pieces, right? And so, yeah. if you find out you try to move your piece three pieces ahead, and it you're you're not allowed to, then you cross out all the oh, okay. options where you can oh, move three um, pieces ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I I like those deduction games where they, they you have check boxes to make your yeah. note taking <laughs> easy. Right. Yeah.
1: it's 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 tego and guess who all <laughs> <laughs> blended into one. Yep, there you go. That's what it is. Cool. All right. Well, uh,
0: the um, I, who uh, who have I heard? T- I think it was uh, I think Rado talked about this on one on one episode a long time ago. But yeah. Yeah, this one is intriguing at the fact of the abstract and the, and the complete lack of information out of the gates, which is pretty much how I play most games. <laughs> um, uh, all right, back to me. Um, let's see, which one do I want? To, and mine are in no order of like, you know, this is the most, right? Um, let's, let's go with this one. Um, I'm going to talk about a game designed by, and again, I, I, Rolf Seagal and Andre Spill. Um, it's published by Capstone. It was brought in by Europe. It's Wildcatters. Um, now, uh, Wildcatters, uh, just a quick, I'll run through maybe a couple lines of the description. So, it's a tactical and strategic board game set during the booming business of the 19th century uh, oil industry. The players are oil barons who develop oil fields, build, uh, bid for oil rights, and build rigs, oil tankers, trains, and refineries. Your goal is to deliver more oil barrels to the continents than the other players while collecting more sharers and money than them. Uh, and then, of course, goods into the game last seven rounds, so on and so forth. But this is... Oh, man, this was... Uh, this was... Uh, an, an interesting experience in regards to the balancing of the economy to the infrastructure of your networking to the 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 of course like the wildcatters are like the the very the, the uh, they're wildcatters they're independent oil riggers that you every time that you open up a certain area uh it triggers a, a, an auction for an extra oil well right so there's there's uh the benefit and of course wildcatters being uh, um, one of the end of game scoring uh, benefits uh, in regards to collecting as many of these as you can. Um, the 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 levels of um, play, inter interaction, play in this game were so phenomenal. Um, from from developing your oil to shipping it to creating a networking system to your refineries now the what the <laughs> with the with the most interesting part too was um there is at the end of this kind of tech tree of of oil refinery system there is an area control continent speaking wise um and uh that is another one of these end of game conditions is who's controlling the most you know uh, um uh territory or, or continents influence and continents in regards to your oil company Art brian you're an arkwright kind of guy with your stocks
1: yeah i see the fans that also like this also like arkwright and some other games that are on my radar so this one i don't know why i haven't paid attention to this one
0: this one makes my head hurt it's just so beautiful like i mean i suck at this game and this is one of those games where I want, a lot of th- I want i want to it's play got it. a lot
1: of things a lot of things that i would look like i would enjoy yeah hmm interesting sweet okay so my next pick is kind of like on the long lines of ian's first pick and it's a. I kind of think of it's more it, it, it's more of a party game and it, but it's one that i don't hear people talk about in the vein of party games and this is one of like the first party games that um uh, my wife Jen introduced me to when we first started going out, and this is Jungle Speed.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, like I've I never hear, heard of this. I've never. I no, love well, Jungle Speed.
1: People, <laughs> people don't talk about it, and it's one that I will always recommend as a great um, as a great party game. Nineteen ninety seven. Wow. Yeah, it plays plays two to eight players, and it's got a silly concept where everybody's got a like, a deck of cards that you don't know what's in it, and then there's this, this little. I don't even know what you call it, totem thingamajigger. It's, pla- it's plastic or wooden, or depending on the version that you have. It sits in the middle of the table. It looks like and, a weapon. And what you do is you <laughs> just, every, every, ber- every person flips over a card, one card at a time. So I'll flip over a card, and then Ian will flip over a card, and then Norm will flip over a card. And then if the cards match, And, oh, there's ever so slight different variations of each Uh different type of card. If the two cards match in shape and color, it's now a race between those two players that have those cards showing to grab that little object from the middle of the table. Okay. And it it creates a... Now, if you grab the object, uh, let's just say Norm and I have very similar looking cards, (laughs) but they're not the same, and I reach and grab the totem, well, that, that that's a that's a bad move so now um cards i have to take there's sometimes cards that are underneath that totem and now i have to take those and put them into my deck and it's okay. really, really it's a race where you're just trying to get all the cards out of your deck first um, that
0: sounds like a very anxiety filled kind of decision making game
2: do not play this game where there are <laughs> fragile things
1: nearby. Well, I was going to say, we've played variations of it where we've put the totem on the other side of the room and where... So, so as soon as they match, then it's two people get up from the table and have to run and body check each other to get to the other side of the room to go grab the totem. It creates... It's, it's much like, what, what spoons? Remember yeah. spoons when you played oh, yeah. it when, back in the day? Um, jungle speed's very very underrated i'll always recommend it It, it, it's just good silly fun
0: but that's an awesome choice man i'd have never thought to this that's cool right on ian
2: (coughs) okay what should i pick next uh let's go with k2 k2 i don't know that i mean it's not entirely underrated i know there's a lot of fans about that that really like it um But it's just not really overly popular and K2 is a mountain climbing game and so you're climbing the mountain K2, you've got two little climbers and you're playing a hand of cards which kind of tell you how much you can move up Um, and so you're playing cards at a time and you can pick between which climber you're going to break them up with but the trick is, is that You reach certain levels, and once you reach certain levels, you're now opening yourself up to storms and to low levels of oxygen in the air, and so your climbers are going to start dying, basically. (laughs) they are going to start losing health, and so you're trying to get as far up to the mountain as you can. You may not get to the top, but you basically want to get as high as you can, but still... Have your climber survive, and so whoever can do that, whoever gets the highest, and then also keeps their guy alive at the end of the game, will end up winning. Because you might make it all the way to the top, but if you can't get back down in time before he runs out of oxygen, it ain't gonna matter. As you say, you have to descend as well. Right. Yeah, you gotta. Because okay. if you stay up, if you stay up there too long, you're gonna run out of oxygen. The Higher up yeah. you are, you start losing oxygen okay. every turn, and you won't last. Do they have any edema cards like? Pulmonary cerebral edemas? Yes, they do. Oh do Actually. They? Yes. Nice. And they've got like you can also set up tents. So you can set up a tent somewhere on the board. So as long as you can get back to that tent, you'll be safe from the oh, cool. from the weather. Uh, it's it's a really fun game. You actually really feel the intensity of mm-hmm. being that high up and then actually fearing for your for your little guys because <laughs> you're like oh i don't know that i can go any higher but i'm gonna try and all right. yeah it really comes through well the, the i noticed there's uh,
0: expansions are they necessary or is this i've never played with them
2: well there so, you go so this there, is all so coming not.
0: out of the base game for you yeah and it's a and it plays solo there you go Norm. that got my attention
2: right there <laughs> cool it says best with three or four is that true I would say so, yeah. Because you kind of want people blocking your ways, otherwise it it takes away some of the challenge. All right.
1: This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are fully licensed for Game Lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at Breakoutsask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games.
0: Okay, so instead of me going next, let's do a uh, like a snake draft. and Let's swing this around and we'll go... We'll go backwards for the rest of the backside of this, and we'll go Ian, Ryan, and then me. So Ian, present. Snake, dra- <laughs> snake drafting.
1: Very underrated.
0: Very <laughs> underrated drafting. drafting system. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All fantasy football players will be like, yeah,
2: oh, <laughs>
0: I like the turnaround in the first
2: round.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. All right. So this one is another one I've talked about on the show before, but I, I got to bring it up because I just don't know why it's not more popular. Uh, it's Viva Java, mm. yeah, the coffee game. Um, which honestly, we just usually call the coffee game. <laughs> but Viva Java is just—it's just so much fun, and it's so much fun with a high number of players, right? Because you can have up to eight people playing, and you're trying to make these coffee blends by drawing out different colored coffee beans out of your little roaster bags. Um, what is really great about it is the temporary team-ups. So every turn you team up with one or two players and you have to try to make the blend together and it's got to be a group effort or it's not going to work. And then of course you collectively get the points for it, but the next turn you might be with completely different people and there's even ways that you can kind of mess them over. So if you're um, if you don't really care about making a blend that turn, you can actually mess up somebody else's if they're really desperate to get one. Um,
1: or you can just purposely say what's inside of your coffee bag and completely like just say, no, I actually have nothing that you needed.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can say whatever you want really. But that temporary team up, I think is what makes it really cool. There's also a bit of a tech, tech tree, tech, track idea that's that i really like as well which can help you make better blends or get special bonus cards you can try to score and things like that um i really like the aesthetic of it there's some cool artwork in there and the little coffee beans are cool the little roaster bags you draw them out of are cool the coffee beans don't get stuck in the corners of the bag ryan and uh (laughs) You don't have to put them in little capsules to protect <laughs> no. them so that you can get them out of the corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think it just needs more attention. I I don't know why people haven't lashed onto this game. It's it's such a good game.
1: Yeah, that's that that's a fantastic one because that's usually one that even though I don't own it, I I do recommend it on like forums and stuff like that when people are saying, hey, I need something that plays, you know, six to eight players and stuff like that, and that's definitely one that needs to be in more conversations
2: yeah i think so because it, it does fit that that little niche right the high player count but mm-hmm. still with a like a strategy game feel it's not a party game right yeah yeah
1: yeah that's a very yeah, that's a very good point it's not a part it, it feels the eight player quorum but not not a party game right yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point okay one game that i want to bring up is from my favorite um, italian designers that doesn't get very brought up in their conversation of what what are great games by like say simone luciani and danielle Ticini. Um but they had a game come out in 2015 called the council of four and it was originally produced or published by cranial creations and then simon games got a hold of the uh, rights to it and brought it to North America and of course they did the CIMON treatment by giving it plastic miniatures when it didn't need plastic miniatures because it was a through and through diehard Euro game with wooden meeples and it, it, it needed to. It needed. It needs that fact so what it, you're doing in Council of Four is that you are trying to build these um, connecting routes between cities by having influence and it's got a very ticket to ride feel to it where it says hey if i need to build a a um, establishment in one of the cities on say like the middle region of the board well there's a little council of meeples there they're four colored meeples and i need to have those four colored cards in my hand in order to be able to build out onto the board and there's a really kind of cool comboing mechanism here where it's like hey if i once i put up Uh, an establishment down on the board I'm going to get the bonus of that city. Now the next time that I put a establishment on the board if I'll get the bonus of that city and if it's connected to one of my previous um, establishments I'm also going to get that that previous established bonus again. And so later on if you place a place down your seventh building and all seven of your buildings are connected in a path you're going to get all seven of those bonuses Again, so there's really kind of like a cool comboing of things of getting points, getting more cards into your hand, getting these assistants that allow you to um, modify your actions and stuff. And then you can also manipulate the council of the two of of say, oh, I've got a lot of orange cards in my hand, but that one area of the board does not have orange council members. So I can kind of shift them around so that there is orange members so that I can go in there. It's a very... Like, again, it's, it's, it's the Italian designers, Simone Luciani and Desnele Cessini, and it's a game that's never really brought up by them. It's called The Council of Four. Definitely check it out.
2: Um, I, uh, I know why it hasn't really gotten a lot of traction. <laughs> the, it's called Council of Four, and the <laughs> cover has five people on it. And board <laughs> gamers don't put up with that, so...
0: The, uh, I've heard a lot of talk about this, too. And, again, I think it comes down to um, just so many games out there that you can't play. But, well, take a look at the I'm original cover,
1: you... Ian. The original cover has six people on it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 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 but there's only four people at the table. <laughs> <laughs> right all but yeah, on. Yeah, uh, the, the Council for it. Huh, I, I, it's one of Four. Huh, interesting. It's one of the first game. It, actually, I think it was the first game. Other than Zolkin that I that I played of their designs, and I got the original like German um, wooden meeples edition, and it's 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 fantastic. I will cool. not buy the even though I'm a Simon fan, I'm not going to buy that plastic garbage for this type of game. <laughs> it's a Euro. <laughs> it's a
0: cube pusher. Exactly. Cool. Right on. Um, uh, are, we're are we we snaked back to me now, right? I bet you. On. Betcha. Um, uh, so. I know Ryan is a big 4X fan with his uh, TI, uh, TI4. Um, mm-hmm. I know that Ian likes his Eclipse. Um, so I'm going to present to you guys my version of a wonderful 4X game. And for people who don't know, let's, let's, let's go over again. Uh, 4X means expansion, um, exploit, uh, exterminate, and what am I
2: missing? xylophone <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um but uh this is Conquest of Paradise, a GMT game um which means with GMT comes a a, a rule set that is pretty deep, a little bit of reading, but once you get that in and I'm uh, and I beg to differ that any other 4X game that doesn't have a good rules, uh, uh, a deep rule set. But let me quickly read you the overview just so we can go from there. Um, and think it's, it's a 4X game where you're exploring, you're expanding, you're attacking, right? So it's Empire Building in Polynesia in 500 AD. Um, Conquest of Paradise is a game of empire building in the Polynesian Triangle of the Central Pacific Ocean for two, three, or four players. Players explore the unknown oceans around them, hoping to discover the most lucrative island groups and colonize them. They build canoes, train warriors to create the force and defend their empire while forging lines of communication with their developing discoveries. Resources are scarce, using them wisely is a key to victory. Investing in exploration widens your empire. Building a warrior strengthens your empire. Investing resources into cultural innovations can yield unexpected dividends like tattooing, hula dancing, surfing, or even the giant Moai statues of Easter Island fame. So, if you, and, and it does, the playtime, now here's the beauty of it. Um, it plays in 90 minutes. Now, I beg anyone to tell me that uh there's a 4x game out there with the same amount of depth as this one that plays in under two hours uh, <laughs> all right so conquest of paradise gmt games your polynesian okay. 4x experience very neat all right so are we doing a true snake are we going back to ryan or are we going to circle around to ian
2: uh, let's go to ian
0: all right ian
2: okay uh okay i'm gonna go with the i am gonna go with the party game this time so we're going to do a party game, and this one is, it came out a few years ago. It's called Masquerade, and Ooh. it's it's sort of like, it's kind of like a more party game version of Citadels, sort of, because everybody's got their own role. so there's a bunch of car- roll cards, and you got your own role. and your goal is to basically just win money, like I think there's a certain you all start with a certain amount of money and there's a big pile of money in the middle of the table. And you're just trying to get oh it's 13 coins. As long who as long as you get 13 coins, you win. So that's the goal. Pretty straightforward. <clears throat> but everybody's role is a little bit different. Right? So the king, if you play have the king, you can get a couple of coins every time. If you're the thief, you can steal from other people and so on. And so what you can do is you only see your card, um, but then on your turn, you can either announce that you're a specific character. So if I want to say I'm the king, I say I'm the king. I'm going to get a couple of dollars. I'm going to take two dollars because I'm the king. And you get to do that, even if you aren't the king, unless somebody calls you on it and somebody says, you aren't the king because I'm the king. And then you both flip over your cards and you see who's telling the truth. But the key to this game is that if you're not doing that, if you're not announcing your character, then what you're doing, your other turn is, is you are swapping cards with somebody. Or not. So what you do is you pick somebody else on the table, you take their card, you swap them under the table, and then hand them back. And so they don't know if you actually switch cards with them or not. So nobody really knows who they are through most of this game. And you're trying to bluff your way through by saying you're a specific person and you're trying to get away with doing their abilities while also trying to figure out who everybody is so you can call them out on it so they don't get to do their actions. It's a it's a fun little party game. It's I mean it's one where you gotta pay attention to. It's not a mindless party game, but it's just because the the interactions are so rapid fire and always constantly changing and you never quite know what's going on, but you might have just enough information that it's quite a bit of fun. Interesting. And it can play up to 13 players at a time, so you can have big games of this, so... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay.
1: yeah, you 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 brought this out um, when we when we first got to know each other um, a couple like like say like new year's eves yeah. or like birthdays this would this one would come out uh, every so often. It yeah, it, it's a it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was one just, that you don't hear about. No, I was going to
0: make an Elvis joke, but I, I don't think anybody uh, would understand the context of that.
2: Probably not.
0: Show <laughs> me age. <laughs> uh, but cool. only I
2: should I should make the caveat. You need to have like at least six people. Like it doesn't work with lower player counts. This no. is a big group game. So.
0: Well, yeah. As you say, that's that re- requires a dynamic of a group to work right. f- function properly. Yeah,
2: right on.
1: Ryan. Cool. Okay, I am going to talk about a little game that Norm and I were introduced to way back when when we traveled to MeepleCon. And the R&R guys, the R&R booth, yeah. um, introduced us to a game called ULM. Yes. Uh, U-L-M. And this is a, it looks like a big box Euro game because it comes in a big Euro box, but it is a, but it plays very quickly. Um I also sometimes say that this setup takes about as long as the actual <laughs> gameplay. which is which, which so, so, somewhat true. But what you're doing in Ulm is that you are... how do you even explain this? You're just, it's, it's your basic euro-ish game where you yeah. are just kind of going down the river. whole bunch of, taking a whole bunch of actions in the city of Ulm but the way you take your actions is oh so very cool is that there's a nine by nine grid of tiles up in the top corner of the board and you have some tiles in front of you. And what you do on your turn is that you push one of the rows or columns, um, up or down, left or right. And then whatever inside the nine by nine box after you've pushed, you take the three actions that are there. So if there's three money tokens, you just collect three money. Or if there's a money token and two cards uh, tokens, you get a money, and then you get to take two card actions. Um, yeah. uh, there's there's Good seal tech. actions, which is um, another way of taking some actions that are actually out onto the board, which is, represents the city of Ulm. It's, it I not say, it plays very quickly. Like, Jed and I will play games that only take, like, 15, 20 minutes. Holy like game, moly,
0: you guys burn through this game.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's, it's just, like, just... In the, unless you can sit there and think about how you're going to manipulate the 3x3 uh, three three grid of yeah. tiles. But um, yeah, you can play definitely, a, especially a two-player, you can play this very quickly. Um, yeah, very big box, Euro type of game. The components are absolutely stunning, especially like the little cardboard church that stands at the cathedral that stands in the middle of the table and it also acts as your your round timer because you're kind of constructing the roof and uh,
0: Uh, the 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 visual be very familiar as a euro because Michael Manziel is the artist
1: is is the is the artist as well
0: yeah
1: but uh, yeah and then you got all these little wooden tokens you're placing all over the board to kind of claim your stakes in the building of the city you got a little boat that's moving down the river And wherever the boat is, you get that that's where those are the only regions that you can take actions in out on the city.
0: Yeah, this is a clever game.
1: Yeah, it was very clever and it was talked about for a brief moment in time when it was released back in 2016. It was briefly mentioned, but then kind of quickly fell off the radar and it's only ranked, it's ranked 1017 right now mm-hmm. on, on board game, but it has a user rating of 7.1. So anything that's over a seven is in my mind, a pretty decent game. Yeah. And it's got over like almost 3000 ratings. So there's been people that were talking about this at one it's point It's a respected
0: in time. game, but it's under, undervalued or it underrepresented. Yeah, it just
1: doesn't come up in conversations <laughs> very much. And I highly recommend if you ever come across this one, um, cool definitely check it out we've had so much fun with it
2: interesting
0: well i'm gonna move straight into um like in ulm you're building a church and you're kind of construct i'm gonna move into uh, a game uh, that uh, is one of my from one of my uh, kind of niche favorite niche publishers spielworks uh, and it's ground floor second edition um, this one is, let's see. Overall, its overall rank is three thousand four hundred and eighty-eight. <laughs> so I think this one uh, wins. Uh, this one is way down there. Um, it's designed by David Short. Uh, this uh, first edition was, I think, a TMG game, and uh, so Spielworks came up with the second edition, which includes the expansions that were developed. And uh, this is a um, Uh, like an entrepreneurial simulation I'll quickly read the context like usual so in ground floor one to five players adopt the role of entrepreneurs responsible for the survival of their young startup company as CEO a player uses their limited time to manage their business time is money so they have to spend it wisely Does a player need to hire staff or refine production Uh, what about launching a marketing campaign anything is possible with effective use of time money and information but in order to reach that corner office of your skyscraper a player has to start with everybody else on the ground floor so it is uh, a worker very much like uh, um, dominant species where you put your time markers right or your workers and you put them in the different areas of this um, scheduled from A to B execution of these actions. So the first phase is putting your workers into their appropriate spaces and kind of, it's kind of a race, not necessarily a race to these spots, but it's kind of like, where what, what strategy do you wanna use? Do you wanna put some, uh, most of your time into networking, which will give you some money, or do you wanna go into development, which gets you more uh, uh, um, depth to your business um, and once you put all of these uh, um, time tokens, which kind of represent your workers, you put these discs on the board in the first phase. The second phase is the execution of these, like I said, uh, from top, from left to right or like in dominant species, top to bottom. And um, it, you basically go through each department and execute these actions. And the game plays over a certain amount of, I would say, seasons or or um, uh, in business terms, quarters, um, and uh, there's some great, some great dynamics to this game. I can't, I can't express how much fun uh, this uh, city. It's like a city building, economic, worker placement, action selection game. I, I think I threw everything but the kitchen sink into that.
2: <laughs> never, uh, um, never heard of. It. Never but, heard um, of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's why I'm saying. Yeah, ground floor, Spielworks. Okay, I'm gonna talk about um, a 2015 game. Actually, I have you beat here, Norm. So it's called Antarctica. Yeah. And this one is four thousand two hundred eighty-five. And <laughs> <in the laughs> we range, have so. a winner. <laughs> okay, but Antarctica is. I think it's an interesting little game with some, uh, what do you call it, area control, I guess people usually call this or something, mm. um, where you're trying to put scientists and buildings out on Antarctica. You're going to uh, explore Antarctica, do some scientific research. And so you're going to be, there's a f- few different areas in the, on the continent and every area is scored based on how many things you've got there, whether that's your ships, or your people, or the buildings that are on there, and you're trying to have the most in as many areas as you can. And the way it works is that you everybody's got two boats that basically let you do your action. So you, if you have a boat, you'll move it to one of the areas around the continent, And based on what buildings are there tells you kind of what actions you can do when you're there. So you can put out more scientists or you can um, just score points or get new cards or get resources. There's a whole bunch of things you can do. But you can't go until your ship is frozen or thawed out because your ship is frozen until the sun reaches there. And so the sun is going to move around the track uh, and depending on where it is, it's going to unthaw the first ship that's in that area. And so there's also a little bit of trying to negotiate your turn order depending on where you put your ships. Because you can go like three turns in a row if the sun melts your three ships in that row. Cool. And so it's a pretty neat little game. The scoring aspect is different because it's it's not just related to what things you have, but also what the other people have as well. And so it's all relative to how much the other people are scoring also. Um, And there's like a lot of technologies you can go on to and resource collection. There's a lot going on. This game just kind of slipped under the radar when it came out. Not many people talked about it. I kind of saw it right away and I said, hey, Antarctica is a cool theme. And I looked into it and I, I quite liked it.
0: Ian, uh, uh Ryan, you said you've played this
2: yeah I played this a few
1: times with uh, with with Ian and it's definitely a very uh it's definitely very unique in that scoring mechanism where you're it's kind of like it's the the first place person gets the points of everything that's there the second place person gets all the stuff that the first player has built and it was just it's all it's like all over the place but it's very very neat.
2: Yeah, it's not in. It's I think one of the reasons it hasn't caught on is because it's not a very easy game to learn. Like it's the rules aren't as intuitive as, as other games, and so you really gotta. Yeah, you really gotta pay attention to the rules because it's it's that I might be it, it's sticking point. I, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So Antarctica. That's my last pick. Ryan, Six. what do you got for the
1: last one? Well, mine's definitely not ranked that low, on the uh, the spectrum compared to you you folks because <laughs> um, mine's, mine's still in the top 1000 and it's a game that uh, whenever I get a chance to talk about it I'm going to talk about it it's one of my favorite games of all time um, and this is Adrenaline uh, and it's, 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 rank, it's ranked 698 so it has gotten some it did get some traction but it's a game that you don't hear about Um, very often and the way that I like to describe Adrenaline is that it's first person shooter the board game where you are uh, you got a little figure and he's running around the board trying to collect ammo and special ability cards and most importantly go and get these um, these different types of guns that are going to have some sort of ability so that you can go and blow up all the all the other players that are on the on the map and it's got a really cool mechanism where there's the, it, it discourages ganging up on one player over and over and over again because mm. as soon as let's say people take me out, um, I'm now worth less points at the, as the game goes on. So the more time a single player gets, say defeated in the, in the battle, the less and less amount of points that that person is is worth. They're devalued. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, the way that the scoring works is that you have to um, look at how much damage a particular person has done to that uh, that that player. So I might not deal the killing blow towards Norm, or maybe I do kill I do kill off Norm, but Ian had done the most damage. To Norm, Ian's going to get the most points when Norm is finally
2: defeated. type Yeah, if this is based on a first-person shooter game, I will never have the most points, I guarantee
1: you.
0: I keep hitting X and nothing happens. I keep jumping.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's just just tactile, moving around the board, and peeking through doors, shooting up the room, or maybe you have a flamethrower and you're just lighting up things, and it's uh, just a fun, good time. Um, and trying to get the combos of different types of weapons and running around, grabbing the loot and the ammo and making yeah, every, temporary alliances.
0: <laughs> every time I played this with you, we, we've had such... Uh, such, it, it, And it does
1: do a real good job at recreating that video game feel because it, it's can, crazy. <laughs> and the And the board is made up of these double-sided boards, so you can make the the game board big and robust so there's lots of movement or you can make it small and tight where everybody's always inside of everybody's spaces. <laughs> gets chippy <laughs> so um one it was like again it was probably had a little bit of hype back in 2016 when it came out and then it just dropped straight off the radar after like that initial month yeah it's such it, a fun game around. yeah cool. that's a yeah. good
0: pick cool.
2: yeah
1: I always, I always talk about adrenaline whenever I get the chance. People need to know about it. <laughs> right on.
0: Well, I'm going to wrap this one up with, uh, with a fantastic game that the theme has never been done before, I think. It's trading in the Mediterranean. And <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, recommend that Carthago Merchants and Guilds uh, um, is uh is brought up on the on the agenda a little bit it is rated 3,389 overall it is pub it's uh it is designed by ralph bernard i think and bernard einstein einstein uh, published by games up but brought in to north america by capstone um and uh it is. Let's get to it. Carthage, about 800 years BC, founded as a humble trading post by the Pho- Phoenicians. The city quickly grew into an import trade hub where precious goods from around the ancient world were traded. In Carthago, players represent merchants who attempt to increase their wealth and influence while improving their status within the merchant guilds. Become the greatest merchant in Carthage by loading valuable wares, financing expeditions, and uh, exerting influence in clever ways. Um, This game has two of my favorite things in it. It has a Rondell action selection, and it has a uh, multi-use card system, and uh, you're set collecting. So right there, uh, uh, I'm a very happy camper when it comes to uh, what this game does and what it's capable of doing. it is very tre euro, so um, I mean trading on the Mediterranean. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a merit at all. There's no, hmm. there's no dice rolling in this game. So, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my suggestion to wrap this one out. Uh, if you, I don't, if you like those, like I said, the mention of the multi-use cards, and uh, the rondell system, um, it's, a, it's a fun game. I think, uh, gentlemen, I think we rounded out a pretty good list of stuff that needs to be loved.
2: What yeah. do you guys think?
0: What do you got? Any any two cents as we close this up, gentlemen? I just
1: want to play games again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. with, with that very sad note on the way out, and, <laughs> um, I, I, I I I as well want to play games with people and face to face. I mean, it's like the old like back back in the olden days when we used to sit and stare at each other at a table Um, uh, I've been your host Norm I've been Ryan I'm Ian and we'll catch you later This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook, at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.